Kia ora and welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is kindly supported by the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners, the Auckland Faculty. I'm Dr. Louise Kugler and today I welcome to the podcast Dr. Juliet Sofa to discuss sentinel injuries in children. Do we need to worry? Juliet undertook her medical studies at the University of Auckland before completing her paediatric training within the Northern Clinical Training Network. For the last 10 years, she has been in Saskatchewan in Canada and was the lead paediatrician for child protection involved in regional and national service development, interagency collaboration and training in the area of child protection. She is currently working as a member of Te Pururu Ruhau multidisciplinary team as a consultant paediatrician and as the service clinical director in Auckland. Kia ora, Juliet, and welcome to the podcast. Kia ora, Louise. Thank you for having me. It's great to have the opportunity to speak about child protection in Aotearoa. Juliet, we're going to discuss a case to set the scene. So a two-month-old baby boy is brought to your GP clinic. He is brought in by his grandma. His grandma cares for him one day a week whilst the parents are at work. The complaint is spitting up blood. She has no idea what happened to the baby's mouth. You ask about other injuries and bruises, and grandma does say that she noticed some bruising on baby's tummy a few weeks back when she changed the nappy. Examination reveals a torn upper labial frenulum. You are concerned about a sentinel injury. Juliet, how do we define a sentinel injury? Thanks, Louise. It's great to have a case to put this in in context. And what is a sentinel injury actually depends on your perspective and where you're uh, sitting in the health system. For me, as a child protection paediatrician, I have the opportunity to look backwards through a child's medical record when they present with a serious life-altering injury. And for me, therefore, a sentinel injury is a missed opportunity. Perhaps it's something that was noted in the child previously that could have heralded that this child was at risk of future suffering. When you're sitting as a general practitioner, perhaps seeing undifferentiated children where there's a very broad diagnosis, a sentinel injury is an opportunity to intervene and it's an opportunity to be vigilant. So essentially, a sentinel injury is an easily visible, medically minor injury in a pre-cruising child that is poorly explained. In essence, it's an injury for which child maltreatment is on the differential diagnosis. Not necessarily diagnostic of child maltreatment, but child maltreatment is out of the diagnosis. One thing that's a little different from the case that we're considering this with is that often the sentinel injury is not the reason why the child's presented to see you. This is why uh, they're called sentinel. Sentinel is derived either from sentina, which means vigilance in old Latin, or sometimes you'll see that it's derived from sentia, which means to perceive in Latin. And so we need to be vigilant or perceive these injuries on children, even when we're assessing them for bronchiolitis or some other non-injury related presentation. Thank you for that. So 
if we are thinking about sentinel injuries, are there specific features we should be looking for? Absolutely, and I and I think the definition provides some of those features. So, as I said, it's an easily detectable or easily visible injury. They don't require medical tests to detect. When we do a skeletal survey, that's not looking for sentinel injuries. It's looking for occult injuries, so we have some reason to do that screening. A sentinel injury relies on vision and vigilance. Every healthcare professional who examines a child, a pre-mobile child, can pick up a sentinel injury. Another part of that definition is that they're medically minor injuries. You know, these are not the reason for the presentation. Bruises resolve of their own accord. We don't usually admit people to hospital for a bruise. However, when you're a pre-mobile child, that bruise may signal much greater risk and it may be appropriate then to admit to hospital for further investigation. You know, these are not the reason for presentation. They tend to be medically minor and we have to be cautious or vigilant not to overlook them for that reason. Importantly, they are unexplained or poorly explained. And a good rule of thumb is if you don't cruise, you don't bruise. Pre-mobile children do not sustain bruises very easily from everyday activity. And so if you have a child who's unable to pull up on the furniture and walk along the furniture, then really they sh it's so extremely rare for those children to have bruises. It's about 1 in 2,000 babies who can't cruise will ever sustain a bruise. So if you are seeing that child, we need to look further and really understand where the bruises come from. So thinking about the sentinel injuries that you see, what are the most common injuries? Most sentinel injuries, in fact, approximately 80% of sentinel injuries are bruises. Most of these are on the face, the forehead or the ears, with some on the extremities or the torso. Approximately 10% of sentinel injuries are intraoral injuries. And like the case that we're considering here, a torn upper frenulum. Occasionally, skeletal deformity due to an undisclosed fracture may be easily visible, and occasionally we see children with burns or scars from previously undisclosed injuries. So easily detectable, unexplained, and not necessarily requiring immediate treatment. So most commonly bruises, and next in line would be that intraoral injury, blood in the mouth. Um, so, Juliet, tell us about how common sentinel injuries are in a child who is maltreated. Louise, when um, I see a child at, at the hospital who has experienced child maltreatment severe enough to lead to them being admitted, when we look back in that child's chart, approximately one in three children have documented medically minor and poorly explained injuries or sentinel injuries in the medical chart. So these historical sentinel injuries may have been an opportunity to prevent that child receiving such severe injuries they needed admission. The other way of looking at this is actually from a, a 2020 study by Dr. Ken Fieldman in the USA, who helpfully looked at all pre-mobile children who were noticed to have an unexplained bruise. Those children then underwent a multi-agency, if you like, a social welfare and health, potentially police as well, investigation to determine whether the child was at risk. 
and half of the children who had a bruise, had a sentinel injury, were actually found to be suffering child maltreatment. So sentinel injuries are important and we do need to worry about them. So tell us about that. Absolutely. That same study by Dr. Feldman, when the children with a bruise came and saw a child protection paediatrician and had a skeletal survey, one in six were determined to have other injuries, other occult injuries that weren't easily apparent. And so the sentinel injury provided the opportunity for these children to have those other diagnoses made and to receive appropriate treatment. In other words, the bruise, the sentinel injury, may be the only easily detectable injury, but the child may actually have multiple injuries. And for this reason, whenever we see a sentinel injury, it's very important, regardless of how medically minor the injury is, that we as health professionals intervene um, and recognise the significance of the injury. A 2013 study, which is considered one of the index studies within this field by, by Dr. Lynn Sheets, looked, it was a case control study, and it divided the children into those who were determined to have been abused, those where it was undetermined, it was unknown, even after investigation, and those where there was no abuse, where they determined that the child's presentation was accidental. And in fact, there's almost a dose response. The children who had been abused actually had a far greater incidence of sentinel injuries in the health record. The children where we were unable to determine was much lower, but there were a few. And in children where their injuries were determined to be accidental, there were no sentinel injuries documented. So we know that these sentinel injuries are an important marker of a child being at risk in, in the living environment. So then if we're concerned about a sentinel injury, what should our approach be in primary care? Look, my approach is always to stay focused on my role within the multidisciplinary team. And I think the same goes for primary care physicians. Our job as healthcare professionals is to communicate clearly both with the whanau and with other professionals. So essentially, what we should aim to do is take a detailed history, complete a thorough physical exam. You all know how to do this. This is what we do every day. When I'm not sure what else to ask, I think, what is the differential diagnosis? And then I ask the relevant questions to the differential diagnosis. So that can help your child with bruising. You might want to ask questions around platelet disorders or family history of coagulation disorders, but you do this every day. Secondly, you need to actually pause and consider that someone may be hurting this child. Does the mechanism provided, if a mechanism is provided, explain the injury? You need to think critically. While you should use your judgment here, you must also be able to avoid some pitfalls that the literature tell us are common for physicians when they identify sentinel injuries. The first pitfall is simply failing to consider the possibility. The second pitfall is really that we try and exclude the possibility. It's an uncomfortable thought that someone may be hurting a child. And sometimes in our office, we might try and look for evidence that reassures us that this child's not being maltreated. You can't do this at work alone. You know, I have the benefit of working in a multidisciplinary team with, with a lot of resources, and we're here to take on that 
assessment role. We should also make sure that we don't avoid or defer responsibility to someone else. Please don't just refer the child to emerge and assume that an emerge doc is going to be as perceptive as you and notice the sentinel injury. Make sure you actually bring attention to it and notify someone. And the last pitfall relates to bias, whether conscious or unconscious. We must recognise that factors such as race, family composition and poverty shouldn't influence our critical thinking about how this injury in front of us was caused at this time. So that's uh, what do I do when I see a sentinel injury? I take a detailed history and exam and I consider the possibility. My next step is to inform the caregiver, inform the patient in front of me. That's my primary relationship in this doctor-patient relationship. And I ask the, the caregiver who's brought the child into me if someone may be hurting the child. I often say, I notice that Johnny has a torn up a frenulum or a bruise on his abdomen. One of the possibilities is that someone has hurt him to cause that. Are you worried someone has hurt Johnny? And this allows the opportunity to collaboratively move forward into this investigation with the family. So I do tell the family up front of my concern. And then the last thing I do is I ask for help. I make a report to Oranga Tamariki and I will refer the child to a child protection paediatrician. To make a report to Oranga Tamariki, you can phone 0508 family in New Zealand or you can email the contact centre. Remember, you don't have to be certain the child is being maltreated. You just need to have reasonable concern. In terms of calling the child protection paediatrician, It'll be our job to consider the differential diagnosis and screen for less easily detectable injuries that may or may not also be present. And that often involves coming into the hospital for a skeletal survey and in these young children for the CT of the head as well. Juliet, reporting is hard. We always worry about making a report to Oranga Tamariki. So do you have any tips about how we can do this? And look, reporting is hard, I agree. And I thank any of your listeners who have had the courage to make a report in the past to protect a child. I think my first tip is to tell the family you're doing it because then they, they see you as transparent and honest and they also recognise that you've got the child's best interests at heart. Some important things to remember are that you don't have to know the child's being maltreated, you just have to have reasonable concern. I strongly recommend, again, being open and honest with the whānau. Tell them you're making a report of concern. I have actually made a report of concern with the caregiver in the room with me, made the phone call. They can hear what I'm saying. If I'm typing up an email, they can read that email and really feel like they're part of this process to get help for their baby. There is another podcast that we're preparing talking about possible child abuse. And this goes into a bit more detail on some of the mnemonics and some of the things that you might need to tell on a tamariki when you call. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And to conclude this podcast today, your take-home messages, please. So my take-home messages are, are first that definition of a sentinel injury. Sentinel injuries are easily visible, medically minor injuries that are unexplained or inadequately explained in a cruising infant. Secondly, sentinel injuries 
are an opportunity to intervene before a potentially escalating pattern of child maltreatment causes this peppy life-altering or life-threatening injuries. Sentinel injuries are most commonly bruises or intraoral blood. And after recognizing a sentinel injury, you need to consider the possibility that someone is hurting this child and then ask for help by making a report of concern to Aurora Tamariki if you think that's a possibility. And finally, you can always phone a friend. The Tapuaruruho duty phone is answered during regular working hours and the on-call Tapuaruruho paediatrician is available after hours via local hospital switchboard. So our duty phone number is 021-492-365 and anyone in New Zealand is uh, welcome to phone us and ask for advice. That's wonderful, Juliet. Thank you for your time today. If you're a New Zealand GP, please claim your CPD points for listening to this podcast. You'll find a list of resources on our website, goodfellowunit.org. Thank you for listening.